that gun, boy. You got you a blog. Welcome, welcome back to the show. Uh, it is Friday, February nineteenth, yep, two thousand and sixteen. Yep, a very special episode today. I've got my lovely wife as my as my guest. Say hello. Hello. Happy to be here. Thank you for joining me. Um, those of you may not, some of my listeners, um, both of them, uh, <laughs> may not know, I am very happily married man of three and a half years yeah yeah we're almost to four this year and uh miss tali and i guess that's what your students call you mm-hmm. that's true you are a kindergarten teacher yes sir yes and um this is my podcast thanks for having me you may have noticed that sometimes i sneak off in the living room and i talk into my recorder and have my friends on my podcast i've learned to not ask questions yeah yeah. But to be interested when you want to talk about it. Oh, thank you. You're welcome. Well, I appreciate that. So I was thinking, you know, since we do have a bun in the oven, yep. uh, a sun on the way, Yeah. <laughs> I thought it'd be kind of cool to memorialize a prenatal conversation, <laughs> if you will. Put in a time capsule and uh, give the little guy something um, to listen to before he came into the picture. I, my parents didn't do anything like that did yours i don't think so i mean you know you get home movies sometimes uh christmas videos thanksgiving videos birthdays but you don't really get an in-depth conversation from your parents before you were born right that's kind of a cool thing to have on record for him to listen to right yeah i think so and i was thinking the other day about how technology really helps us mark every single milestone that happens like in the beginning of this pregnancy we were taking pictures every week of my belly and um kind of dropped the ball with doing that super weekly so but i know i have pictures throughout the pregnancy that show the growth but a lot of people take that really um seriously and they show it you know pretty religiously every week right and i was thinking our parents never did anything like that so right that's interesting if you're i think for my um parents they had a a photo album so it's like you see the the newborn picture you know maybe you have the hospital bracelet from before you came home and you know first haircut and just stuff like that yeah um, I'm trying to think of when my first home video was. I'm probably Christmas or something when I was four or five. Um, my mother's huge into taking pictures, as you know. Well, many mothers are. But mine takes it kind of extreme, I think. Um, but be- before we get into that, uh, this is a loosely based sports podcast. So I have to ask you a couple sports questions. Okay, of course. Um, just to just to get in the rhythm. So last week was Valentine's Day. That's true. And the NBA All Star Game also fell on Valentine's Day. It was very and, appreciated on my part. 
you had an interesting <laughs> observation. You said maybe they, they did that on purpose to kind of save some relationships. <laughs> yeah. Would you say I watch a lot of basketball? I would say that you watch a lot of sports. This is true. I think it's a really like common um, thing that happens in relationships, and I would say that that's one of the ones that we fall into where you watch lots of sports. How much sports do I watch? Give, give the people an idea of exactly how much time I spend watching sporting events. Well, whenever football season is around, that's, that's when it's the heaviest because by the time October hits and the NBA starts, that three months, I would say between October and January, you spend, um, I mean, every time you're home, there's, there's a game on TV. So if you're not working, you're, you're watching a, a game and, um, which is fine. I've just learned to go to the other room and watch my own things. But I always tell you that it's the equivalent of me like binge watching a, like Gilmore Girls Marathon or something in front of you all the time yeah. on a TV. Like, yeah, you can ham- handle a couple episodes here and there and be fine with it and not be sickened by it. But if it was on all the time, every day, all you know, um, it's a lot. <laughs> so is it safe to say that it's an issue, but it's not a problem? Yeah, I mean, I'm not upset about it. The only time I think that it would bother me or that it does bother me is if it affects plans that we have and it, it clearly affects your mood if you miss a game because we have to go do something social i see yeah so if like i have a family event that we have to go to or something but some game is on that you really wanted to watch and are invested in and i have to pull you away from that or you choose to be pulled away from that for that moment but you're not very happy about it I think that's when it causes the biggest problem. But in general, I wouldn't say that it's a big issue. Especially if we're going to a place that doesn't have the game on. Yeah, I know. But you're going to be super antisocial if the game was on. <laughs> so. But then you're looking at your phone most of the time when we're there when they don't have the game on. So I guess that happens. What about baseball season? Yeah, I, I thank God for the summers. <laughs> <laughs> But once September comes, usually I'm teaching and, you know, sports start. So then we, we part ways for nine months and come back to each other. Well, that's, a, that's a convenient correlation given that so. baseball is a summer sport and that's when you're off. So uh, yeah. it gives us time to get to know one another. <laughs> this way we don't get too sick of each other if we're, you know, not spending overly too much time together. Now, what is your favorite sport to, one, watch, and then two, to play? Oh, to watch basketball, I would say, of all the sports. That is the most exciting one to watch. It's it's kind of beautiful to watch, actually, sometimes when they right? kind of graceful. And it's really nice to watch them, like, make some of the shots that they make and work as a team together. Like, I always think, like, how much do they have to really be on the same page as each other to be able to so quickly, you know, move themselves around the court and make themselves available to get the ball and get it to the hoop. So I think that that's really cool. That's why I married her. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) Um, But to play, I really enjoy volleyball a lot. Right. And I wish I could play it more. Right. Yeah. Um, Yeah. What was the height of your athletic career growing up? 
Like when, or what was I doing? Uh, the moment, like your your most pride, pr- uh, proud moment in sports as an athlete. Mm. Um, well, so I've I've been involved in sports since I was in the fifth grade, and um, I really enjoyed. I started it off with basketball in fifth grade, and then in sixth grade I did basketball and volleyball. And I kept with both of those pretty much throughout um, my middle school years and my high school years. My high point, I would say, and I was always just kind of okay. And then, of course, I went to a small Christian school, so I had big fish little pond syndrome. It was like I was better than most of the people that I played with. There would always be one or two that were kind of better than me, but for right. the most part, I was I was up there, to the point where my my stats would be reported in like newspaper local newspapers and stuff like that, and so I would say the more my highlight would have been my junior year of high school, my senior year of high school. That's probably when I did the best, when I was captaining and co-captaining my volleyball teams and um, my basketball teams. And um, scoring or assisting enough to, to make some. Nice. Or rebounding enough to... Rebounding was my thing because I was just like feet taller than the rest of the people. <laughs> <laughs> so I just kind of sh- uh, set myself up underneath the hoop and wait for it. Right. Um, I always joked around that I was going to play games without deodorant on so I could scare the people away from me. Hey, all's fair. <laughs> but I never, I never got the balls to do it. <laughs> so... <laughs> I love it. I love the tactics. You actually, um, that's a more, I would say, traditional, you know, trajectory of sports peaking in in high school. Mm -hmm. Um, I, my story is a little uh, more sad than that. Oh, no. I don't know if I told you this, but um, I think my peak uh, of of sports, I played, you know, basketball. I played soccer, one year baseball, Um, junior high, uh, Hillcrest Christian. Um, I played basketball and I can't think of the name of the team, but it was also a small private Christian school and it had been like eight something years and we had never beat this team. And our school was so small that we didn't even have our own gym. We had to go to like the rec center to play our home games and, um, super low scoring game. I think it was like 31 to 32, uh, I was the point guard, and there was like eight seconds left, and I take the ball out, and I'm dribbling down the court, and I drive the ball through the lane, I do a fake, I jump, I shoot, and I score. Wow. And I win the game, and like the crowd, you know, all 12 people in the crowd, <laughs> you know, go nuts, and uh, Hillcrest won the game. Um, I had the winning shot. And yeah, I felt like a that, like a rock star. Yeah, I felt like a rock star. I felt like That's a celebrity. Awesome. Yeah. And um, yeah, it was all downhill <laughs> after that. How can you top that? All right, right. It's, well, it's a tough. It's a tough thing to top. I'll I'll always have that memory. And funny uh, story about that, or a uh, fun fact. Um, you know, family was on a budget, mm-hmm. and I really wanted some Nike shoes for the basketball season. And so my mom took me shopping, and there was these black Nikes with the white swoosh. And I tried them on and found out the price. They were a little, a little out of the price range. And uh, my mother pointed out that 
pretty much the exact same shoe, but a couple aisles over was like half the price. And so I was like, okay, let me try those on. And so I asked the salesman, I said, well, wait, the ones that I tried on were um, like size five or size six or whatever, mm -hmm. whatever it was. But these ones that I'm trying on are size like nine or 11. I was like, what's the difference? They were girl shoes. Oh. Yeah. My mom bought me a girl Nike shoes. Did they look girly? No, no. You really couldn't tell the difference. You know, I was reading an article recently about how they up the price of a lot of things that are meant for females. Yeah. So that's interesting that you had, you um, experienced the opposite. Yep. Um, yeah, like how they will charge more for pink razors versus regular, right. like blue or black razors or something, and they're exactly the same. It's right. just you're paying like 40 cents more for it to be pink or something like that. So I guess the market for... Uh, junior high Nike basketball shoes was a bit different. Hmm. <laughs> Maybe. Yeah. Because I guess it's 90s. more geared towards boys than it is girls in right. general. And that's right, probably right. why. They're just going to work off of you yeah. being a boy. So that's an embarrassing fact. No, I like that. That's about good. Me. <laughs> um, but yeah, so I've prepared a few questions for you okay. and you for me. Um, you want to go first? Um. Sure. Well, I guess I kind of thought of a question when you were just saying that that's not one of the ones that I prepared. Okay. Um, I, you know, part of being pregnant and thinking about having a kid, I was thinking about how much money it costs to have a kid. Of course, it's one of the, you know, primary concerns that I think new parents have. It's like you, you hear kids are expensive right. and you can already tell, you know, your crib is $700 here car seat is 200 but you need one for both cars and right. you know, all this stuff you know and that's just basic things that they grow out of and then there are other stuff that comes up but I was thinking well maybe because we're not having a girl I don't have to worry about buying like tons of outfits and always worrying about like makeup and like these other jewelry or whatever it is that they might have to want or whatever that right. girls typically want but um i have a friend who has a son who's much more into fashion than his than her daughter is okay and you mentioned the thing about the nikes and how you're like i want these nikes right so i mean do you think that fashion is going to be something that's prevalent in our son's um growing up process i guess it's kind of hard to predict but do you think well that's a good question i never I don't consider myself into fashion. I know when I was in high school, I went through a phase of wanting to be trendy. Mm -hmm. And, you know, at that time in the mid and late 90s, FUBU had just came out. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Um, the really bright colored shirts, baggy pants, um, you know, athletic shoes, those things were in style at the time and so I went through a phase of wanting them mm -hmm. um, <laughs> actually I remember also in junior high um, being the only black kid in all white school I had some conflicted identity issues about you know where which way I wanted to lean as far as fashion and, and culture and things like that and I, I would always wear you know, sneakers or basketball shoes, things that I considered 
I guess, black people fashion. Mm-hmm. But everybody had Vans at my junior high. Mm-hmm. And I told my mom, I want a pair of Vans. Mm-hmm. And so she bought me a pair of Vans. Mm-hmm. And they were the most uncomfortable, weird-looking shoes. Once I got them, I was so mad. I was like, what did I? What have I gotten myself into? <laughs> Why did into? I conform? Why did I conform? <laughs> um, I felt so stupid. Uh, but, I, you know, I wore them. My yeah. mom paid good money, so I'm going to wear them. Yeah. They were like 40 bucks a pair at the time. Right? Yeah. Mm-hmm. And um, later, I would say later in college when, you know, I didn't have those insecure as many insecure issues about what I was wearing I just wore whatever was comfortable you sure. know so I did have some etnies that I thought were cool I and, had and fashionable yeah. and uh and the like but I as an adult I sometimes wish I had more of a fashion sense so I kind of hope that our son does it comes natural to him mm-hmm. you know he's not trying super hard but he has the sense to go with, this is my style. This is what I want to wear. Mm-hmm. This is what I'm comfortable in. So And just carry it with confidence. And I think yeah. that that's what... Okay, cool. Yeah, yeah. That was not one of my prepared questions, but I thought it was a natural transition. <laughs> well, hey, I mean, we're going for a, a regular natural conversation, but yeah. throw some questions in the, in the mix. I'm thinking of these blue suede etnies I had. That were on sale, and I got them because they were etnies, but I was like, good lord, why are they blue? (laughs) (laughs) But I wore them out until I got, like, a a normal-looking pair of etnies, (laughs) white and black, and I really like those ones. Did you have a favorite item of clothing when you were younger? I think it changed. I really did like my shoes a lot, and at the time, you would... This is weird. You would stuff the shoes mm. with socks on the top to pop the tongue out a little yeah. bit. Did you ever do that? No, but I, I knew of the of the fad or trend. You know, once yeah. you pumped up kicks. And my and my mom and dad would always make fun of me about it because they were like, "You're like a stick figure, and at the bottom you like balloon out." They're <laughs> like, "I can't wait till you look at pictures of yourself when you're an adult and you see how how silly this looks." And I said. But it's like the thing. And now I think to myself, like, it was a thing, um, but it was kind of uncomfortable. But I really liked those shoes. And I had Kermit shoelaces on some of my DSs, and Mm -hmm. I really liked those. And then then I went through kind of, I tried to be like a little punk rock kid at some point. So I had my black studded belt that I really liked. Mm -hmm. Um, And so I would wear that with a lot of my outfits. Nice. Yeah, I was just like a couple years of my life right there. <laughs> <laughs> I had a um, a yellow, bright yellow jacket, and it was like a raincoat. You mm-hmm. know, it was, I don't know what material it was, but it was a type that water would just beat up and roll off of. Uh-huh. And it had huge pockets, um, and I just loved that thing. I would wear it, you know, every chance I got, whether yeah. it was too hot. I will still rock my jacket. No, you were one of those kids that didn't dress weather appropriate because no. of fashion sense. Correct. For fashion, yeah. I had bright orange, bright yellow, bright red, yeah. blue, neon. Yeah. Yeah. If you look at my um, senior high school uh, picture, the one with like the whole class, uh-huh. you can easily pick me and my friends out because we were like the bright corner. Oh, I remember <laughs> seeing that picture. Yeah. I think you were wearing yellow or something yeah. in that picture, yeah. weren't you? 
That, yeah, that's right. And, yeah. you know, that was the year to dress really bright. I'm thinking back to things that I wore that year. I was kind of behind you in years in, in school, but yeah, uh, I had some bright clothes then. What is, our, what is our exact age difference? About six and a half years. Yeah. Yeah. I'm your senior. Yeah. I mean, I was a senior when you were a... Seventh grader. Wow, that sounds inappropriate. It probably would have been yeah. <laughs> at the time. Yeah. It wasn't inappropriate once we started dating, though. <laughs> it was legal and everything. What would you? What do you think is um, the biggest gap that's acceptable? Because I've heard the, the rule of thumb for men, it's I think half your age plus seven, you can date women that are that much younger than you. Have you heard that? I haven't heard that. That's interesting. So if you're forty, you can date a twenty-seven-year-old. Correct. Okay. Yeah, you know, I I have I have a friend, I, a former roommate of mine in college who da- or dated and then married somebody who's about I can't remember if it's ten or twelve years older than her, mm-hmm. but they work really well together, and you never really would be able to tell the age difference if, by just looking at them, you know. Right. Um, so there's that. Um, so in general, I think that that's not a huge deal. Mm-hmm. Um, I don't know how I would feel as a parent if I found out that like my da- my 27 year old daughter was dating a 45 year old man or something like that. I, I don't know how I would feel on that end of it, right. but I think right now at this point in my life, I, I don't really see what's wrong with it. Uh, the thought that always crosses my mind about big age differences is life expectancy. Right. <laughs> you know, like how much of my life am I going to have to spend without the other person because they're so much older if that's the case. Not necessarily with you. I mean, you're only six or seven years older than me. But um, but if men have shorter lifespans than women in general anyways. Something to consider. It is something to consider. It's just something that crosses my mind. So without the health factor and the life expectancy, would you agree age is nothing but a number when it comes to dating and appropriate gaps in age? Pregnant pause. <laughs> That's funny. Um, I, to a certain extent, like if you're only looking at the age as a number, it's hard to base it just off of that. However, there's a lot that comes along with age. There's experience, wisdom, um, life that happens in the years that are in between. Mm-hmm. And um, it it really depends like on on the people and what they're doing in their lives and things like that i think it, it's hard to make a bl- a blanket statement so case by case basis yeah 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 now i think one of the cool things about having younger siblings you know i got a younger brother younger sister mm-hmm. is imparting some of my wisdom or experience to them mm-hmm. um now, we're happily married, as, mm-hmm. I, as I stated. Mm-hmm. One of the things that I say to young people that I know who are in relationships or thinking about getting married is I tell them not to get married. Mm-hmm. I say that to everyone. Stay single. Don't get married. Mm-hmm. Do you know? And you know why I say that to them, right? Right. Why? Well, you say it to them because if they really and truly are sure about getting married, you're telling them not to get married, shouldn't deflect them from that decision. 
and then you make the correlation with comedians who are always told, don't get into comedy. It's hard. You don't want to do that to yourself. But the ones that are truly meant to be in comedy won't listen to that stuff, and they'll right. keep pushing forward right? because they know that that's where they're meant to be. So the same thing happens with marriage advice for you, right? Right. Yeah. Uh, am that's, I right? That's exactly how I feel. And not just comedy, but all, all entertainment, all artistry, anything that requires a huge upfront sacrifice, you know, I try to dissuade people from making those decisions because it thins out the pool. Sure. You know, and, and hopefully, uh, just doing a public service and keeping poor relationships from happening, you know, and not contributing to the high divorce rate. Yeah. What, what about you? What is your, do you have any uh, generic or blanket advice that you give to young couples that are about to get married? No, um, not, not so much. Um, it's, it's typically when they ask, I don't just say stuff. I don't think unless the conversation invites it. Um, but I would say that the most common thing that I I would tell young couples whenever we do talk is that it sounds corny, but communication is definitely like number one. It's totally key and making things work. Um, And um, I would say that trusting the other person is more important than loving the other person, I think, Mm. when it comes to making things work. Okay. I mean, love is necessary and it'll be there. And, um, but if you don't trust them, then you're kind of doomed. Right. And I kind of came to that conclusion pretty early on in my life before you. Um, and I thought, well, if I don't a hundred percent trust that other person, then it's just never going to work. Right. And so, um, kind of, and I, I still agree with that. I think at this point. Did you have an experience, a specific experience that led you to that conclusion or that was just kind of a collection of? Well, it's just some observations that I've made from other people and mm. then some experiences that I've had on my own, you know, previous boyfriends or whatever that I've had and yeah. thinking, you know, if I don't trust this other person, then I wouldn't want to be with that other person and not even boyfriends, just dating. Like I would think to myself, okay. I like this person. I'm infatuated by them, but um, could I trust them to go out to a bar without making some silly mistakes? Probably not. Right. I haven't asked myself that, you know, because I can, I can love people immediately. Mm-hmm. Like I think that, you know, I give people the benefit of the doubt in that sense. I don't think that, you know, that part is withheld on my on my end, but I think that. Um, Trusting them takes takes a little bit of time for me, and that just takes reading people, and that takes experience, I think. Do you believe in love at first sight? Um, I don't know. Uh, I don't. I don't think so. I think I feel like the way that that's used is not quite how I would say that it exists so um 
like I, I just said that it's easy for me to say that I love somebody. Like right. it doesn't matter. I don't have to be in love with them in, in the moment, but I could say like, Oh man, I love you. You know, like, mm-hmm. of course, um, after I, I meet somebody, but I don't think being in love with somebody the moment you see them really happens that way. Right. That's so maybe not in love at first sight. I could really care for somebody, have feelings for them, have lust for them. Um, or I can love somebody at first sight and not lust for them and then fall in love with them. I mean, but I think when people are like, Oh, it was love at first sight. I don't think it was necessarily in love at first sight. Right. That's just something that happens in the movies. Right. That's what you're saying. Yeah. What about you? What do you think? I think that, well, not to be corny, but when I first saw you, I'm not going to say it was love at first sight, but it was, it was a, a deep internal understanding that I knew that I was one, attracted to you, and two, that I felt a connection that I knew would be long term. Yeah. So I'm not going to say that I was immediately in love, but that was the closest, that's the closest thing that I can equate to that, you know? And before that, and after that, you know, when I first saw you, but before we started dating per se, I would see people and you could say, oh man, she's incredible. You know, she's the most beautiful woman I've ever seen or whatever. But it was never love. Mm -hmm. You know what I mean? So if some people have experienced love at first sight and then that turned into a long-term lasting relationship, then I can't argue with those facts. I just explained to you. Because that was your experience. That was my experience. Right, right, right. right. So as a concept, I I can't say that I agree or disagree. Um, Yeah. And I think back to, I can remember the day, the moment I met you. Right. Um, and knowing, like, you were attractive to me. But I wouldn't have said, like, oh, my God, that's my future husband that just walked through the door. Right. I wouldn't have known that at that time. Maybe that's where our age difference came in, right? You were 25. I was 19. Yeah. Yeah, so maybe maybe you just knew something I didn't, you know? A little more experience. Yeah, that, that's good. <laughs> he was so persistent, too. <laughs> so, <laughs> and patient. You just took your time. That's nice. So when, when would you say that you knew that I was either the one or no, let's say marriage material. When did you know that I was... A strong candidate, put it like that. Okay. Let's back up. You know that when I met you, I had just gotten out of a long-term relationship. I was actually on a break. Ross and Rachel break? Same type of relationship situation where I was in the middle of a relationship and we were just, yeah. basically We were on a break. And so I wasn't really in the mind space of looking for another person at that point. Okay. Um, I was, I think, dating around already, so I was preoccupied. I don't know. Um, I was 19 and stupid. What are you going to do? And then, 
So I wouldn't say stupid, but 19. 19. Just 19 experiencing college. You know, what are you going to do? <laughs> and then um, once everything fizzled out, um, if I wrote my dating life down for you in a book mm. between the ages of 16 and 20, mm. you would be like, wait, what? <laughs> right? <laughs> what just happened, you know? What do you mean? Well, it was just like, you know, I was in a long-term relationship. We broke up. During the time we broke up, I dated around. Okay. And then I got back into the relationship. Then we broke up again, and I dated around. And then we got back into the relationship. And then we broke up for good. Okay, so when we broke up for good, you're already in the picture. You've been right. in the picture for like a year okay. at this point. And you were just one of my good friends. Mm. You know, we would have dinner together. We'd go to the same parties together. We would go, we would even hang out at the movies together, just the two of us. Mm. Like, we would do things like that. Um, and there's some discrepancy of whether those were or weren't dates. But right. We'll, we'll get to that. We'll get to that later. <laughs> but um, I would say that, you know, um, when, when the other relationship ended for good, and I was like, look, I think I'm done dating just for fun. Like, I don't want to just do it to do it anymore. I wasn't doing it. <laughs> uh, but um, Dating for, dating for, for dating's sake. Yeah, dating for dating's sake. Right. I, I felt like I'm not really cut out for this because I would expect people to be, like, monogamous with me, for example. And then, but they weren't like that. That's not where they were. Right. And that's fine. And I'm sure they communicated that with me. <laughs> and I was just like, no, I'm going to make them change their minds. And that's <laughs> stupid. And um, and so at that point, I thought to myself, look, I, I knew you liked me mm. at this point. I mean, you, you got me flowers the first time we ever hung out with how, each other. How would you know? How <laughs> could you tell? <laughs> <laughs> um. You looked so disappointed when you found out my relationship had ended. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> and then it, our, I told you at breakfast between the, you know, we had breakfast, just the two of us. Right. At Mimi's Cafe. At Mimi's Cafe. And you walked me to my car and then you like did this really long kiss on my cheek. Well, like slow, long kiss on my cheek. And a, I was a like. A kiss with implications, if you will. Yeah. Like, it was a, it was a. A loaded kiss. <laughs> on <laughs> a, between the lips. On a on an innocent part of my face. <laughs> on a Tuesday morning. Yeah. And, uh, yeah, it was, I think, a Tuesday morning. You remember that. That's funny. And um, I remember thinking to myself, like, well, if I'm going to ever date Douglas, because, I, I mean, I find him attractive, and he has, I know he would make a good partner for me. Like, I know him well enough at this point. I want to make sure that he's not just part of my dating scene, like with people who just don't seem to be as into it as I am. And yeah. I don't want to do that. And I don't think that he's that person. So um, I also didn't want to jump right into a relationship right after another relationship ended. So, um, but I think at that point, that's when my wheels started turning and I started looking at you a little bit more, um, like examining you a little bit more for for that role in my life as opposed to a friendship role in my life. So you're going on a list. Yeah. 
Checking off the boxes. Yeah. And I remember out loud saying to Janelle one time. Which was your best friend and roommate. Yeah. um, In college. In college, yeah. And still a fantastic friend now, even though she lives far away. I think I talk to her more than I talk to anybody else. What's up, Janelle? I know you're listening. Hi, Janelle. (laughs) Um, And I remember saying out loud to her, I think Douglas and I would make a good couple. Like, I feel like he would be a good partner. And I don't remember what her response was. Um, she was probably just like, okay, whatever. It was probably <laughs> something sarcastic yeah. and flippant. <laughs> yeah. Love you, Janelle. Yeah. <laughs> and um, and I, I don't ever take that back. And I also think about how well we get along, just not even not romantically. And romantically, everything clicked beautifully. Mm. Um, it was like our whole friendship slash relationship and everything has just transitioned so nicely, I would think in our lives I think. smooth so smooth um but they but um as i was examining our friendship and what those implications are that's when i started thinking about it a lot and i i sat on it for a few months well let me let me ask you this so you're a, a self-admitted serial monogamous that's true so you went from a relationship to relationship basically with little single time in between Mm -hmm. now for our younger listeners Mm -hmm. how important is it to have closure on a relationship especially a long-term relationship before dating somebody new or starting up a serious relationship, let's say. I think closure means different things to different people. Like I've seen people say that they don't feel like they experience closure, but if you ask the other person in the relationship, they were very clear about <laughs> it being the end, you know? Yeah. So it could just be a matter of interpretation a lot of the time. Um, closure is important. I mean, there should be like a solid end. It shouldn't be, in my opinion, it shouldn't be something that like, the person just stopped calling right. or texting and you just, they, you're not hearing a response from them anymore at that point. Right. Um, and in that case, I would say that you didn't experience closure. Right. And so you're always kind of left wondering, even though the unspoken signs are very clear. It's like a dangling preposition, but the relationship <laughs> version. Exactly. Hashtag grammar nerds. And, <laughs> <laughs> um, but it is important as for the amount of time that people need between a relationship or not another relationship, I think is dependent upon a person. Right. Right. Um, right. and you know, I was thinking about the fact that I, I'm a self-proclaimed serial monogamous, mm-hmm. no longer serial, just a monogamist. That's good. Now. Um, and, um, and, but I was also thinking about the fact that I was in a monogamous relationship, but it was long distance mm. for good majority of my college years Mm -hmm. and so I did have my alone time and my time with my friends Mm -hmm. but without um necessarily getting into a bunch of dating situations except for during those times that we were broken up or Mm -hmm. whatnot um so I kind of feel like I experienced it on my own without having another person there because they physically weren't a majority of the time this is so weird i feel like we're having girl talk right now yeah even though we're married yeah and i'm a boy yeah 
You are a boy. This, this works is, out for our straight marriage. Yes, this is true. Though if uh, our son comes out not straight, it's okay. Yeah, and marriage equality for all. Woo! Straight up. Yeah. Um, what was I going to say? Um, girl talk. Girl talk. Oh, oh yes, yes, yes. So, I've heard another rule of thumb for, for dating that if you're in a relationship for a certain amount of time, mm-hmm. it takes that amount of time to get over the relationship. So, you date somebody for a year, you break up, it takes a year to get over that. Well, I've heard the statistic as half of the time. Okay. So, if you're dating somebody for a year, it should take six months. Okay. Something like that. Something like that. I, I don't know. I don't think that you can put a put a time limit on it. Again, it's just a case by case. And I also think that you have to separate the idea of getting over somebody versus still thinking about them once in a while. You because just did of air course, quotes. Yeah. Um, because, of course, they were a part of your life, and they're going to come up in your mind sometimes. Mm-hmm. And you're going to think, like... What if I ended up with that person? What would my life look like right now? Sliding doors. Had I been there or stayed with that person mm-hmm. versus where I am right now. Mm-hmm. Um, and I don't think that that necessarily means that there wasn't closure or I'm not over it or whatever it is. It just means like, oh, well, they popped up into my head. Well, I how are you doing? I know I've told you this before, but uh-huh. the moment that I realized that I had a chance or I knew you were over your your ex or boyfriend at the time, whatever the case may be, was when I visited your apartment or your condo at the time. Mm-hmm. And I saw your room and you had, I think, a Led Zeppelin poster. Mm-hmm. Uh, there was another picture, I think, of you and a friend at the beach. Mm-hmm. Um, but I didn't see any pictures of your quote unquote significant other on the wall mm-hmm. and you say that that wasn't a factor but in my mind i was like oh this, Subliminal is, a, messaging. this is a wrap you know like I, this i'm in i have nothing to worry about long distance no pictures on the wall smooth sailing for me this person doesn't even exist I doesn't, bet. yeah doesn't even exist so it's it's funny the little you know mental cues and things that we tell ourselves and they may or not be true but you use them as ammunition or yeah. or as confidence. Yeah. And uh, so that's funny. Yeah. So we're we're, we're basically just giving our uh, our origin story, if yeah. you will, and kind of. Um, it's fun to think about because considering right? where we are right now. Yeah. Leading up to our our baby button, that's what we call him. Mm-hmm. Where did that nickname come from? Why is our Why is our fetus named Button? Um. So we threw you a 30-second birthday party at our house okay. a couple years ago. And I had this um, pair of shorts that I had gotten from Gus. Fantastic shorts. Love them. Can't wear them right now because I'm fat, but um, you have a in a good way. Fat. Yeah, fat in a good way. And um, they are striped and they buttoned up all the way up to like, they went up to like my waistline. So they were like high-waisted shorts. And just the way that the buttons um, made my, like, 
the bottom part of my abdomen look. Uh-huh. It almost made it look like it popped out a little bit. Mm-hmm. So when our friends came over, specifically Stephanie, what up, Stephanie? Uh, she was like, oh, I love the buttons on your shorts. And I was like, oh, are you sure? It kind of makes me look pregnant. And she was <laughs> like, no. But then I made a mental note to myself that night. It's like, when I am pregnant, I'm going to call the baby button because it reminds me of these shorts that I felt like kind of made me look pregnant. <laughs> and so that's where the nickname came from. Are you serious? <laughs> Did you not know that? <laughs> Maybe you told me that before, but I was anticipating a much more... Cute story. Cute. <laughs> Adorable. No, and now we have a whole baby shower that's going to be themed on this one experience. <laughs> oh, that's hilarious. <laughs> that's hilarious. Well, button is cuter than fetus. That's true. So. And he is bigger than a button now. Yes. Yeah. He's almost as big as a bread basket. Cantaloupe. Cantaloupe. He was a motorcycle helmet this last time. Tomorrow it changes. And you're how many weeks? We're going to be 31 weeks tomorrow. Wow. Yeah. What do you feel about people saying we're pregnant? I don't know. You know, I, I thought that that was a weird thing to say at first, but I catch myself saying it. Yeah. Um, so I don't really assign a whole lot of emotion or thought into it. Yeah. And we just move on. Or I move on. <laughs> <laughs> there are so many cliches and so much advice that people throw at you being first-time parents. Mm-hmm. What's, what's some of your favorites that, that you hear? Oh, get sleep while you can is like the number one thing that I hear. Yeah. Um, and I'm like, done. Uh, and, um, I, you know, I'm trying to think of what advice there is because right now people are just gushing. Yeah. About, I mean, you probably experience it in a different way, but mm-hmm. when people see me, they physically just more like, oh they touch your belly and they just want to know basics like is it a girl or a boy right do you have a name um things like that um but as for advice nobody's really given me a whole lot of unsolicited advice uh i keep getting tagged in articles though i think renee hi renee uh my cousin (laughs) she tagged me in things that like 16 things that or advice that i wish i got while i was pregnant or Uh before i had the baby or whatever um and so I was reading it today. It was a Cosmo article. And it wasn't, they weren't bad advice pieces, except for one of them where I was like, what? I can't remember what it was. I'd want, I should look it up. Um, but it was like, you know, make sure you have time for your husband. Because a lot of people say, you know, spend some time on yourself. I know you're going to want to spend most of your time with your baby, but really like right. do your best to at least get a shower in every day to make yourself feel better or whatever. Mm-hmm. Like, put your makeup on at least, or something like that, just to make you feel like you're human again. Um, and so I I will try to do that. Um, but then I read something today that was like, don't forget about the other person in your relationship, because people will say, okay, give yourself some time, and you should. Yeah. You've got to give the other person time, too. So don't I really want to make a, a conscious effort to... Um, you know, make it very clear that you are all a priority. Right. My number one priority. Yeah. Same here. Um, and, and the baby is fantastic and we love him and we want him to be safe and happy and everything. But you're number two. If you and I are not stable, then he's not going to be stable. Totally. And so I think that that is some good advice that I read from people that I don't even know. I agree. I've, I've been getting the same, well, similar advice about, you know, get sleep while you can. Yeah. 
which for me I actually can because I'm a sleep camel. Yeah. And I can store up sleep for, yeah. for when I need it. That's right. You are a sleep camel. That's right. So I've been getting, you know, my eight to ten hours. And so when I'm taking the night shift, when baby button gets here, I can, you know, draw from my reserves. Yeah. Which is helpful. Mm-hmm. Um, definitely agree about, you know, keeping each other a priority. Um, I know for myself watching, you know, my parents relationship struggle and then ultimately crumble um when you focus on the children you know they they do get the love and the attention but it's more important to lead by example and to have that healthy stable relationship and love on one another Mm -hmm. as the parents and that love will trickle down And you have to have good vibrations, not to sound like a hippie, but Mm -hmm. in the household, you have to show your children how to live in a loving, stable relationship. You know what I mean? Yeah. You can't just... Lead by example. You have to lead by example. You can't just, you know, love the kid and then hate each other. That's not going to work. No. You know, that's not an oxymoron. And you put him in a strange position where I feel like he's going to, even if you don't intend to, he's going to feel like he needs to pick sides. Right. And um, it creates animosity that I don't think that needs to be there. And, um, you know, a small piece of advice that my mom gave me, and this is it has nothing to do with babies, uh-huh. but it, it had to do with relationships. And it was a minor thing, and it was about, uh, hi, Mom. Uh, it was about um, how we were talking about gift giving. Yeah. And you and I went through a period in our relationship where we decided not to give gifts to each other. We okay. were going to do other things like trips or something or save up the entire year and go on one trip right. for our birthday slash Christmas slash anniversary slash whatever it is. More experiences. More experiences than that. Gifts, right. And my mom said, be careful with doing that because at the end of the day, you might feel slighted and you didn't mean to. You had better intentions than that. Um, But you're going to feel a little bit neglected because they didn't get you something on Valentine's Day or they didn't, you know, whatever. And I thought to myself, well, I'm not really like that type of person. But I can see why that would chip away kind of over time if that were just the constant you saw the value in the advice right uh, if that was just a constant thing because what if we weren't able to do the trip that year right. then you really ended up with nothing absolutely nothing mm-hmm. um and and it's not about the gift itself it's about the thought sure. that's behind it and um and so in the same vein I, I bring that up because those little things that you can do for each other you got to make sure that you keep doing them for each other. Right. And so it doesn't subliminally or subconsciously chip away throughout the years. Right. So you got to kind of make a conscious effort to, to do those things for the other person. And you're really good about doing things like oh, that well, so thank far. You. Yeah. I remember to, to speak on the gift giving, I was listening to the Champs podcast, mm-hmm. uh, Neil Brennan, Moshe Kasser. Hey, Neil. Shout out. Hi, Moshe. What's up, guys? Um... Neil, who I consider to be extremely negative, pessimistic, 
and cynical, but I very much enjoy his comedy, co-creator of Chappelle Show. He had an observation about Valentine's Day. I think it was last year, maybe the year before. And he said, women don't want gifts. They want to know that you were extremely inconvenienced <laughs> in getting them a gift or finding them a gift. And, you know, it's it sounds cynical and, and it sounds, you know, insensitive. But there's some truth to that, right? You want it's the effort put out more so than the physical thing that you're handing. Right. It is it is more about the effort than it is about the physical thing. Though, I don't want you to come home like pissed like I went to eight grocery stores looking for these specific flowers that you said you wanted. You know, it's not anything like that. Yeah. Um what about a little uh, just a little thing from CVS? <laughs> like the SNL skit. <laughs> you hurt me today. <laughs> I bought this a minute ago. <laughs> uh, yeah, things like that. I'd be like, are you okay? Are you on some sort of mushroom trip? Because <laughs> this doesn't seem like you. Um, but they... Yeah, yeah. I mean, things like that. That's not really in your, in your personality. So I wouldn't yeah. really expect something like that from you. So in our relationship, I don't, I don't even consider that a, an option. But like on this past Valentine's Day, you got me those little flowers and um, the the chocolate. You say little flowers like insignificant. Oh, little, little flowers. They were physically little flowers, and that was fine. Oh, it's your <laughs> little Valentine's <laughs> Day gift. And I and I like. And I appreciated it. it it's self. just as appreciated. I, I swear to God, just as appreciated as if you were to get me a giant bouquet of red roses and a pretty vase. You know what I mean? Like right. for me, it really didn't make that big of a difference. It was nice of you to go and get something, and that right. didn't go unappreciated. Now you know, I wanted to get flowers from the side of the road. The Mexican flower guy. From a Mexican flower guy. I love those guys. I like to support my local entrepreneurs. Yeah. But we have a story about a Mexican flower guy that's kind of always going to be a story that we that we have. This is how we know that we're really, really meant for each other, I think. Right. So how does, how does the story go? Okay. Um, well, there was one day, you know, I was driving home from, I want to say work or something. Mm. I can't really remember where I was coming from. But there are these... We're assuming they're Mexican. We're not 100% sure, but they're definitely of Hispanic origin. They're Spanish speakers. Yeah. Um, standing on the corners of the road just throughout our town selling flowers. And I don't know why. I had never done it before. I'd never stopped to get flowers from them. Um, I, you know, I'm not a huge flower person. I like them when they're here. I always tell myself I should get more, and then I never do. Um, but I was driving by and I was like, maybe I'll stop and get these flowers. And then I decided against it and I kept coming home and I sat down on the couch and I swear to God, like I, I thought to, I just put the thought out into the universe. You, you can, um, make whatever religious references you want to, but I just threw the thought out there and I was like, maybe Douglas will pick up some flowers. Okay. This is not something that ever happened before. I don't think up up till this point in the, in our relationship. I had brought you flowers, but not from the vendors. Yeah, on the not from the vendors right. on the street. 
And it's not like I was getting flowers from you every week or anything like that. Right. It wasn't something that was in the forefront of my mind. It right. just happened. It was happenstance. So, whatever. I forgot about it. I mean, why am I going to fixate on like, mm. these whatever flowers? And you came home hours later. And we were sitting on the couch and we were just talking, you know, whatever, watching probably a game. And, <laughs> and, um, and you're like, oh, I had a really weird experience today. What was your experience? So I was at Carl's Jr., um, Santa Clarita, about an hour away from home. And the, the details are a little foggy, but I'll, I'll give it the best of my recollection. So there was a gentleman who was clearly down on his luck. He had had, um, you know, multiple traumatic injuries. He was clearly handicapped. Um, maybe a, a vet, a wounded vet. Not missing limbs, but incapacitated. Put mm -hmm. it that way. Okay. And he was looking in good spirits, but kind of pathetic. Put it like that. And I had it on my mind to give him some money. Like I wanted to reach into my pocket and just bless him with something. And instead, what I did, something in my mind told me that I need to buy you flowers. And so instead of giving him money, actually I did, I did give him, I think, a dollar or two. I forget what it was. My, my memory is a little foggy and I've had a few to drink. <laughs> um... Help me out. What happened okay, for that? Okay, so I think you did give him. I, the I did money give him money. Right. That was intent. You were gonna get me flowers from a Mexican flower guy. That That's you right. Seen. That's but right. You I gave saw the money that was for the flowers to this guy That's instead. Right. I think you bought him a meal. Did you buy him a meal? I I think I gave him cash. Oh, you gave I him I cash. I think I gave him cash. And I didn't text Douglas or anything about. I didn't text you about this. And uh, about my thought about the the flowers or anything, I didn't say come you know pick them up on the way home That's or right. anything like That's that. Right. And we were just sitting on the couch talking, and you're like, "Oh, weird thing happened today," uh, you know. And you told me about your Carl's Junior. Um, right, the right, man right. Experience, and you're like, "I was gonna get you flowers from like some guy that was standing on the corner." That's right. But I ended up giving my money to you know, the only cash that I had on me at the time. That's right. To to that guy. That's right. And I went, Oh my God. <laughs> like and no physical flowers came. Like I, I get that. Right, right. But I think the fact that I threw the thought out there, and mm. I remember you and I were trying to like nail down a time. Like, when did you drive yeah, by the flower right. guy? When did you think about that? And you're like and we we're like, what time were you in Santa Clarita at the Carl right. Jr. or whatever? And um and I the, think that and this, <laughs> the, it happens to me fairly regularly where I'll I'll get an intuition or I'll get a vibe it's that little voice in your head mm -hmm. you know yeah and so that day I remember it being strong to the point where I could hear it mm -hmm. and when you when you hear that type of a calling and you don't follow through with it it doesn't sit right right you know but when it's something so small I'll yeah. say as to just bringing home some flowers yeah 
as opposed to, you know, saving a life or something like that. It's not as taxing on you spiritually, but the fact that you put it out there, I caught it. On in the same day. And yeah, in within the same hour for yeah, sure. For sure. So yeah, that's pretty cool. Yeah. Pretty and cool I thought that was pretty cool. And I know I've I've tried it again where I've like where I'm like, I want chocolates. And you came home with chocolates. Like I know, you know, you test it sometimes. It doesn't work every time, but it, it yeah. is still pretty cool to know. Um, that that's the and I, and I would argue case. that it works every time, meaning that the transmission goes out and has the possibility of being received. But sometimes you're blocking your your you're perception. Focused on something else you're focused something. on yeah. something else. Mm-hmm. Your your mind's excuse me not in the right place to hear. Right. You know mm-hmm. you got to be open enough to hear. Yeah. Um, Sounding like some Oprah Deepak Chopra stuff right there. I uh, know. But that's a relationship, man. Right? We're so connected. Connected. Yeah. I love it. I'm, I'm a Pisces. I'm a Taurus. And he loves that about me. <laughs> <laughs> Is it... Are, are we a, a, a match, astrologically speaking? I don't think we're a match, but I also don't think that we're, like, enemies or anything either. Right. I think we're just kind of, like, whatevers. Right. Right? Something like from that. what I understand, yeah, yeah, and I'm going yeah. to flow from those like BuzzFeed articles anyway, which are <laughs> <laughs> took a quiz. <laughs> see how it goes. Button, do not listen to BuzzFeed. <laughs> we got we have to give him some advice. What is, what is your advice to our unborn child? Um, I have I have so much advice for him. I think just on a case by case basis, but right. Okay, how about this? Um, He's our age. He's fully grown. Mm-hmm. And like your age or my age? I'm just kidding. Stop that. <laughs> he's fully grown. He's been married for three years. Okay. He's about to have a baby. Okay. What is your advice to him? Button. Record a podcast with your partner. Mm-hmm. <laughs> have a conversation that your kid can hear. Um, you know, I think at this point I would say the same thing like make sure your partner's number one in your life yeah your mother's number two your child's number three just kidding (laughs) (laughs) uh you know it's kind of the same stuff that we've been hearing um it just make sure that you're settled and happy with yourself confident with yourself um following your passions your creativity Mm -hmm. um and, and doing what makes you happy and what makes you a productive and useful human being on this planet. Right. You're here for a reason. Right. You're here to do something. Um, we're not, you know, at this point, we're not really sure what that is yet. But whatever it is, you know, do it with a passion. Um, not like murdering people. Please don't murder people with a passion. Like, that's not helping anybody. Like Dexter. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. But Dexter's made a few mistakes. He did. Yeah. So... Please don't do that. Uh, um, but that, that would be my, my basic advice to him, just yeah. to follow his heart, be happy in what he does, do it with purpose, clarity, creativity, and, you know, keep that balance in his life between, mm-hmm. you know, work and fun. And, but make sure you do both. Your whole life can't be just fun and your whole life can't be just work. Right. That's it. Okay. Solid yeah. advice. I think so. What about you? 
I would say don't sweat the small stuff. Mm-hmm. You know, that's a, that's a cliche. Don't be too hard on yourself. Mm-hmm. But it's, it's true. Um, I don't know what the, the world is going to be like at that time. You know, what the climate's going to be like, what the, what, what people are going to be like, you know, because people are so different than they were when I was growing up, I think. Mm-hmm. They are. But you have to stay connected, stay grounded um, to your essence. Mm-hmm. You're, you are not your job. You are not your relationship. You are not your physical appearance. You are a being that is connected to the universe, Mm -hmm. that's connected to your fellow man, that is connected to every living thing that you come into contact with. And I say that to give you perspective, you know. And so... Just enjoy the ride. Yeah. You know? Because it, it's fun. It's supposed to be fun. It's if it's not fun, you're doing it wrong. Exactly. <laughs> and even though you're not your relationship, you're not your appearance, yeah. you're not these things, you are your actions in those things. Right. Um, your actions speak loudly. And um, I just hope and pray that you... And I'm sure you will because you're going to have amazing parents. Um, mm-hmm. Have a great heart, and you use that heart in everything you do. Yeah. Um, and I think that that's a big deal. Mm-hmm. Um, one of my questions for you. Oh yes, get into questions. What? Let's do our it, questions. I think it's a. It's a natural transition. I have a feeling your questions are deeper than mine. Mm, yeah, probably. I don't know. Except for number three. Um, one question is about religion. Okay. What, what's the ideal way you would approach religion with, with our child? Oh, my gosh. I know. Because I don't even think I know the answer to this one. Okay. Well, let's not think about it too deeply. Let's just shoot from the hip and say what, say what is on my mind. Um, religion is a myth. And when I say a myth, I don't mean a falsehood. I don't mean a fantasy. I mean a construct, a way of looking at the world, a way of putting your your beliefs and your morals into a convenient bite-sized chunk. Okay? And so... I want, I want him to understand religion in the context of human history. I don't want him to believe that this is the one and the only way. I want him to understand that people in different countries, people in different families have their own rules. They have their own culture. They have their own principles. We put up a 
plastic Christmas tree once a year. Mm -hmm. We put gifts under it. Mm -hmm. We celebrate. We listen to Christmas music. But if other people don't do that, we don't look down upon them. Right. Right? We don't, we don't judge them. So I grew up in a religious household, meaning that we followed rules, we had beliefs, and it guided our decisions. Mm-hmm. Okay? And there's nothing wrong with that. Mm-mm. I feel like those experiences shaped the good morality that I carry with me to this day. Mm-hmm. And I would like to impart that to our son. Do you think that religion or being in a religious household is the only way to impart the, that morality? Absolutely not. But in this, okay, in the United States of America mm-hmm. in 2016, mm-hmm. the way that most people raise their children, I'm talking about Christians. When they become an adult, they just wake up one day and they're told, you're 16, you can drive. You're 18, you can vote and buy lottery tickets. You're Mm -hmm. 21, you can drink. There's stages of adulthood. Mm -hmm. You go off to college, you're living on your own. You rent a car. You're right. (laughs) You're 25, you rent a car. Financial independence seems like the measure of adulthood. Sure. Right? Mm-hmm. I feel like other religions, not Christianity, do a way better job of bringing up the child, specifically the man, into adulthood. Mm-hmm. Whether that be a quinceanera. I know that's not religious. Whether that be a bat mitzvah. Whether that be a <laughs> tribe in the jungle going on a hunting expedition. You know what I mean? So it's very important to me to instill morals and values into our son. Mm -hmm. How religion is going to play a part in that, I really don't know either. Yeah. But I feel like, and I've had this thought recently, that the church, quote unquote, the community of believers, the people who go to church on Sundays or Saturdays or what have you, I don't know another group of people that are that have a that have a rule book of how to do that. Yeah. Does that uh, make sense? Yeah. Um yeah. I think of like do you remember when we went to Alan, Hyalan, his dad's funeral? Yeah. At his mom's and dad's church. Type of they were place. not Christian scientists. No, it was they something were, trans. What was the name of it? I don't remember, but it was one where it embraced all the religions, and they could, right? You could congregate there. Pantheist. I'm gonna look something it up, and like I'm gonna that. put it in here. Yeah, because I felt like that one spoke to me the most in the sense that right. they were so accepting of all these different beliefs, and you just kind of came together on a moral ground. Mm-hmm. Um, I don't know if it would be something that I would attend every Sunday or anything like that, but I thought that the idea was kind of cool. Yeah. Um, I've been thinking about it because um, my dad mentioned recently 
I, I was raised Catholic. Mm-hmm. Um, I have, I would say, a, a mom who's not religious at all. Right. Um, but she converted to Catholicism at some point. To placate your father. Right. And we were a part of it for a while, but she kind of stopped. My dad still, you know, follows. And, um, you know, he was talking about, all right, so when we baptize Button, and I said, okay, well, I assumed that that would be something that, that would kind of happen, but then right. I went through this whole, like, mental Rabbit hole. thing about would that offend your family if he's baptized Catholic? It would. And, um, and things like that. But they and wouldn't for, say anything. Right, and for me, it's not very important to raise him necessarily catholic Mm -hmm. though there is a cultural implication that comes along with it that relates to my side of the family that you feel a duty to Uh, that i feel a duty to fulfill so yeah i'll probably stick him in white one day if that's okay with you you know his third or fourth month of life and and dunk that kid in water and call it a day right and it's just, you know, and for me, it's just, it is, it's going through, it's like going through a baby shower or something is, you know, part of the process, you know? Right. Um, even though I don't know how meaningful it is for me personally, for him to go through that. Do I think it's going to change his soul? No, I don't think so. But do I want to avoid conflict? Yeah. <laughs> like, no, ca- Catholics specifically you know people that say i went to catholic school you know when they grow up and have an adult's perspective on it they typically look back on it as i don't want to say traumatic but i want to say formative in a negative way like they survived catholic school and they've got baggage that came along with it and they had to kind of get rid of it to be a healthy adult. And when I say that, I'm thinking of like all the podcasts that I listen to, yeah. all the entertainers, all the comedians that I respect their way that they think and their <laughs> art form. A lot of them grew up in Catholic school and yeah. had to divest themselves of that experience. Mm-hmm. Right? Well, yeah. And they've got guilt. Yeah, That's but I feel that theme. came along with the Christian school I went to also. Um, So I think, I mean, again, it goes back to the role of religion in general rather than... But you can't can't be those people that are, we're not religious, we're spiritual. (laughs) (laughs) But don't we kind of seem like the type that is that way without labeling ourselves that way? Yeah, yeah. So... But how do you teach that? (laughs) You don't. I mean, you just... You instill it in, in moral values, I think. Right. Um, I can just hear the Christians turning up their nose saying, I know. You, can't good, you can't just be a good person. You don't get into heaven. Right. <laughs> and, and that seems like a silly thought to me just because, well, logic. <laughs> you know, like, what if I went my whole life living like Donald Trump or something? Go ahead, take a shot. You were probably wondering how long it was going to take to bring that up. <laughs> <laughs> um, and then be on my deathbed and go, 
oh, by the way, I'm so sorry. Okay, bye. <laughs> you know, like change your mind last minute if you had that opportunity to do so. Like you were cleared of everything you ever did in your well, life. Well, I, I believe that's how uh, grace works. You're You're covered. Right. And to me, it just doesn't resonate as... Um, something that doesn't sound authentic. It just doesn't sound doesn't ring true. Yeah, and I think that the God that I felt like I feel like I know or have a relationship with mm-hmm. is not that way. Right. I I just in my heart and my soul to the core of my bones don't feel like that. That is how we're gonna be judged. Right. You know. Um, and I, I, I can't imagine that. Um, I, you know, and I would say that most people are good people, you know, they're, they're decent human beings, regardless of who or what they believe in. Mm -hmm. So if we have this God that created everybody and everything, how could he possibly, or she possibly, um, feel that way? I can't, I, I just can't wrap my head around it. I'm sure, I'm sure you've heard the old tale of the pot roast in the pan. And it goes a little something like a grandmother would make her pot roast. She would cut off the tip of it, put it in the pan, put it in the oven and serve it. And then she taught her daughter... You cut off the end of the pot roast, you put it in the pan, you cook it, you serve it to your family. And then down to the third generation. And the young girl asked the mother, why do we cut off the end of the pot roast and before we cook it? And she said, that's how we've always done it. And she goes and asks her mom. She gets to thinking, Grandma, why do we cut off the end of the pot roast before we cook it. Mm-hmm. And the grandma says, well, see, when I was growing up, our pan was too small. And it didn't fit, so we had to cut it off. So there was a reason, but down the line, you just listen, you do what you're told, you follow along, you, you get in line, mm-hmm. and you do it because that's how it's always been done. Right. So... I guess two things come from that. I don't want to be the person who passes along a belief structure and a religion just because it was given to me. Mm-hmm. And two, I want to do more research and I guess soul searching and really give our child more truth, more foundational wisdom that comes from something real. Does that make sense? Something concrete. Something concrete. For him to relate to. So, I don't know. I think it's... It's a tough question. Yeah. (laughs) It was the last question I thought of, and I was like, this might be the first question I ask. Yeah, no, no, no. It's 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 a good one, and... um. I mean, it's not a worthy follow-up, but how are we going to treat Santa Claus? How are you that treat was my number three. <laughs> that was my number three. Yeah. 
I said, what would you want to do about the whole Santa Claus thing? (laughs) (laughs) Well, I think lies are bad. Mm -hmm. And... But games are fun. But games are fun. So I think your mom actually I was the first person that I heard this from. Yeah. Because I, when I met your mom, Sharon was six. Okay. Hi, Sharon. Hi, Mom. Um, and it was November, and we were talking about Santa Claus. Yeah. And um, she said, well, Sharon knows the truth, but she can just play along and get more presents. <laughs> right. You know? And I was like, oh. Okay. Yeah. And I'm down with doing that. But I also don't want Button to be that dick in his kindergarten class that's like, guys, Santa's not real, and then ruin it for everybody else. Yep. Like, you know, just play along. If people still believe, and there's that. And it was funny because, like, me growing up, I have my cousin Renee. Hi, Renee again. She's three months younger than me. Mm-hmm. And she knew Santa wasn't real before I knew Santa wasn't real. Mm-hmm. And, um,. She would tell me, like, Santa's not real. And I was like, no, you're a liar. And I was so set in believing that Santa was real. Yeah. And I remember driving in the car, seeing these lights, like, on a hillside. It must have been on, like, a hillside or a mountainside. Yeah. Like, in a row, and then, like, a red one at the end. And I was like, no. I saw his sleigh. Like, it was mm-hmm. over there with the red light at the end. I swear I saw it. And I convinced her that he was real. <laughs> Mm-hmm. And then my parents sat me down after that Christmas. I was like six years old. Mm-hmm. And they were like, we, we have something to tell you. He's not real. And I went, hmm. <laughs> All right. Well, I've heard that. <laughs> <laughs> so I guess that that's true. All right. And I wasn't, I don't remember being upset with them or anything about it. I you was processed just like, oh, okay. it and you moved on. Yeah. Yeah. Actually, I think they broke it to me after Easter one year. Yeah. They told me that the bunny wasn't real. And they're like, by the way, neither is Santa. Yeah. Sorry to any kids out there listening to this that might have not known. Jesus is real. Santa and the Easter bunny are not. Yeah. Enjoy your Easter egg hunt. You're welcome. <laughs> Actually, you know what? Going, going back to the last question about religion, I just, I just had a, a thought. There... I really want to instill as early as possible the idea that you are not your physical being. That's important, you know, to call it a soul, to call it essence, whatever. But I want to be able, you, you have, you gain so much perspective, confidence, and security in your being to know that you're not just uh, what you look like. Yeah, you're not just an animal. That that voice inside your head that you can talk to yourself and set your your intentions and set your destiny, if you will, mm-hmm. in your head. You know, you can do that, mm-hmm. and it's very empowering. I think to know that there's something bigger than you that you can connect with and that will get you where you're going. Yeah. And it grounds you. Yeah. It really does. It helps put things in perspective to know that whatever hardship or whatever you're going through right now. Yeah. You know, you're, it's just a small part 
of what's happening all around you. Yeah. And um, I think that that's, that's really important. And I remember somebody, one of my professors saying in a history class one time, whatever problem you're going through right now in your life mm-hmm. has been experienced many, 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 many times mm-hmm. in history mm-hmm. and has been overcome. Mm-hmm. So you can do that too. That's right. With the exception of technology issues, I think yeah. this would be the first time, as far as we know. Well, you know? That, that's for debate, but that's opening up a, a whole other can of worms. That's a different podcast. That's a different, that's a different podcast. But yeah, I mean, we're, how many people are on the earth? Six, six billion people on so the about earth? about seven billion, I think. So yeah, your, your problems are not the only problems. You're right. That's right. true. It's just grounding um, to well, know that there's another higher being out there and yeah. more... I mean, other living creatures out there, and not to belittle your problem, but right. to know that it's it can be overcome. Right. A bad day does end. Like it's okay. Right. This is us after a bad day, by the way. So. Oh yeah. Today sucked. Today was terrible. I don't know if it sucked, sucked, or if it was just my hormones that <laughs> sucked. I don't know. Well, this week has been rough, but and we're um, we got a baby coming, so everything's good. Yeah. Life is good. We, we spent a lot. We spent a lot of time on that last question. Yeah. Let me look at my other questions. Mine are mine are not so um, deep. Just kind of getting to know you. Uh, questions. What is your favorite book? Oh well, offhand, I would say the Harry Potter series. <laughs> I just really enjoy uh, reading and rereading those those books. Um, they're just fun for me. And I like to read for fun a lot of the time. Um, other books that I might like. No, that's good. Okay. That's sufficient. What um, is your favorite superhero? Oh, well, now Deadpool. <laughs> <laughs> it was a good movie. Yeah, it was a good movie. Yeah, and I don't did. think he's a superhero, but... He's got the same superpower as Wolverine. Yeah, I really enjoyed. Um, I really enjoyed the humor in the movie. Yeah, it would make me want to read the comics if they're similar to it. But how can you say he's not a superhero if he's got the same traits as Wolverine? Oh, I guess he is a superhero. Oh, okay. I mean, but didn't he say something in the movie like, "I wouldn't necessarily consider myself a superhero," but. I think he was just being self-deprecating and oh, okay. being humorous. Anywho, yeah. What about you? Uh, oh, my favorite yeah. superhero? And book. Oh, I guess I should have prepared to answer the questions that I, that I asked you. Oh, man, I'm not a big favorite person. Um, yeah, it's hard, to, it's hard to choose things like that. Well, I'll qualify my answer. The book that I've read the most, reread, um, was a book that was required reading in high school, but I enjoyed it so much that I read it again later, and that was The Great Gatsby. Mm-hmm. Um, Fitzgerald has a way of writing. Um, his prose is lyrical, I like to say. Um, but yeah, he's my, my favorite author. Um, but, you know, I discover new authors and new books all the time that I enjoy mm-hmm. and I wouldn't say I enjoy it less but you know nostalgia and memories if you had play to a put part. a time right, right. if yeah. I if I had to 
um, superhero. I'm not really into fantasy type stuff, mm-hmm. you know, for for superhero. But I do I do enjoy the X Men. Um, I really enjoy the X Men cartoons. Um, but I I don't have one, and I'm the same way with sports. My listeners know, like I'm not a jersey wearing fan. I like sports i like highlights right <laughs> so i like cool superhero movies yeah and the epic battles cool um so yeah okay next question um uh, if you could have one superpower what would it be another pregnant pause um mm-hmm. i'm not Sure. I know I've been asked this before. I'm going to just say offhand flying. Okay. Because that would be cool. Oh, no. I think it would be teleporting or something. Mm. Like being able to just apparate from one place to another. Yeah. Astral Um, project, if you will. Well, it's a Harry Potter term. Oh, pardon me. You can use a, a port key. You like hold on to a shoe or mm. whatever. They turned into a port key, and it takes you from one place to another. Yeah. Anywho, um, but that would be cool to just travel cheaper. <laughs> <laughs> so you could take me with you. With yeah. The with, yeah, you could. Right on. Mm-hmm. What about you? Uh, mine would definitely be time travel. Time travel. That's a good one. Hundred percent. Would you go backwards, forwards, both? Oh, I would hop all over the place. Yeah. I'd go back, make some money. Go forward, see what's up. You know, uh, yeah, I'd be. I'd be afraid to go forward. I think personally. Yeah. I don't want to know when I die. I don't want to know any of that stuff. I would need probably some type of invincibility um, component to go forward, specifically for that reason. Okay. You know, especially after seeing um, Terminator Genesis. Like I would maybe go forward after a time that I know that I've already died. Right. You know. Like a thousand years from now, or something like that. You know right, what I mean? Right, like right. where it's just like sure that I'm not there anymore. Right. But if I like hop forward fifty years and I'm like, where am I? <laughs> <You know? laughs> I don't want to know that. <laughs> um, what has been the most surprising thing about being pregnant? potty problems <laughs> <laughs> nobody told you about that huh? no that sucks um that's one um but you know it's not as miserable as people i mean i everybody has their own experience so a lot of people had a really rough pregnancy where they're throwing up every day or mm-hmm. in a lot of pain or they're bleeding and they have to be in the hospital and they're on bed rest and all this stuff um and I don't feel like my experience has been that uncomfortable or painful in the in for the most part. Yeah. Um, there have been inconveniences for sure. I mean, the few months there where we couldn't do anything, I couldn't exercise because the placenta's in the wrong place. But and I really need you to move it. It just needs to move like a centimeter. You can do it, buddy. You can do it. Um, but overall, like I was expecting feeling more mor- morning sickness, and yeah. I didn't. So that was kind of surprising. Um, I'm told that this third trimester is going to be rough. So I'm kind of preparing for that. But it, so far, it's not awful. Yeah. 
Oh, and that you waddle because your vagina hurts. Oh. Not because you've gained that much weight. Mm. I mean, your vagina hurts because you've gained the weight, but I mean, it's not because you're wider. It's because you're feeling pressure down there. The pelvic floor the pressure pelvic you've floor been telling me about. Pressure. It feels like you got an uppercut to, <laughs> to your lady parts. <laughs> and, so, and so I'm like, oh, this is why pregnant people waddle because... It hurts. Yeah. <laughs> it hurts to walk sometimes. Yeah. Yeah. Well, but I know for me, the the sympathy symptoms have been real. Have they? What yeah. have you experienced? Well, I, I gained some weight. Mm-hmm. Um, I, I get up in the middle of the night and potty way more than I used to. Mm-hmm. Um, it's just overall lack of sleep, I guess. Yeah. And, um, Yeah. It's just not straight sleep anymore. No, it's, like it's not. I mean, you would think that this kid's going to come out potty trained with how often I have to get up and potty. <laughs> <laughs> um, but yeah, it, it's fun and I'm trying to embrace it as much as I can because you're not always going to, I'm not always going to feel a, a person inside me like I'm feeling right. right now. Like every night or every day, I'll feel a little like kick or a punch or whatever here and there. Yeah. They're not painful. Yeah, I'm told that they might be eventually. Yeah. Um, but, you know, it, it's cool to know that I'm responsible for, you know, growing this human in my in my belly. It's really fun to feel him kick. Yeah. Yeah. And there's some, you know, some of those big movements where you're like, whoa, like, what'd you do? Like, yesterday he went, like, behind my rib, I think, for the first time. And I was like, what is <laughs> happening? Um, and these are sensations you only feel for such a short period in, 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 in a lifespan, you know? Yeah. So I'm really trying to, really trying to stay focused on enjoying that aspect of it, though. Um, though my hormones I could do without um, in general. Now, you're an only child, Mm -hmm. and you had said before getting pregnant that you pretty much just wanted to have one child. I was always under the impression, and I I think I've said this out loud, you start with one, and then you know. Okay. Um, And in my head, I always imagined having one girl, because I am one girl. Mm. But honestly, didn't have a preference when I became pregnant, whether I wanted a boy or a girl. Mm. And when we found out that he's a boy, um, I wasn't disappointed. I wasn't excited. It was just, okay, he's a boy. Like, Mm. it's very, I think I would have had the same reaction had we found out that he's a girl. Um, So these notions that I had in my head or these images I had in my head was just based off of my own experience. It's not necessarily um, what I was, like, dying for or whatever. I did want at least one kid. I wanted kids you know what i mean yeah i didn't want to be childless um forever i've known that i've wanted to be a mom or that i meant to be a mom almost my whole life you know just you had to wait till the right time um but i'm so i'm really excited that this is happening for us heck yeah me too yeah so you don't want to have 10 kids like my Auntie Joyce? I definitely don't want that many kids. <laughs> um, I also think that we might be too old to have that many kids at this point. Um, what about one kid every every decade like my family? Uh, I think I'm too old to pull that one off too. <laughs> um, I would have had to start, I think, a few years ago. Um, it. I can't imagine myself with a ton of kids, but I guess I have to 
go back to the you never know until you have the one and then yeah. you know you'll know when to stop yeah. I think well button if you want brothers and sisters better be easy yeah better be a good boy <laughs> <laughs> I always I hear a lot I mean I'm a teacher I've been a teacher for seven years now um, I hear a lot that like you know parents had two kids and had the second one come first it would have been an only child. <laughs> <laughs> and I went, oh, man. And I was like, please don't let that happen to us. Like, if we have a second kid, I want him to be, or her to be, like, just as good as the first one. Or whatever, right, you right, know? right. So, yeah. That's funny. You got any more questions for me? For Do you have up? any more? Uh, no. I, I covered all mine. Okay. Um, well, we talked about the Santa one and the um, religion one. Mm-hmm. Okay. Um what are the top three experiences you would want Button to have before he turns 18? Oh, wow. Before he turns 18. Yeah. Like, do you want him to go see Disney World or something before? Gotcha, you know, things gotcha. like that. Or... Well, definitely an extended stay away from us. So, like, for example, I got to go to Washington, D.C. for a week. I did that um, trip. I did a few. You got some kicks? Yeah. He's like rolling. He was like, DC, I'm down. <laughs> um, I went to Hawaii for a week with my aunt and uncle um, in high school. Um, this is not just because your parents want a week of alone time. With <laughs> it kind of is, kind of yeah, is. Yeah, kind of. Um, but like, I mean, the, you know, summer camp, I think mm-hmm. that's. Important experience. Mm-hmm. Um, a lot of outdoorsy stuff, fishing trips, camping trips, mm-hmm. uh, maybe a road trip if that is uh, um, contextually appropriate. Um, yeah, so all, all travel based. Mine stuff, were all travel based too. Yeah, I agree. Spending some time away. I remember my week away in DC yeah. was like life altering for me. Yeah. I think. And, and some, at least one good mind-altering experience. It doesn't, it doesn't have to be a hardcore drug, but some type of transcendent experience where he feels like he got outside of himself. Does that make sense? Whether it comes from a huge adrenaline rush or not jumping off a cliff necessarily, but you know, scuba diving, mm-hmm. bungee jumping, something where you have your your youthful fearlessness and you haven't quite got all your hang-ups of being an adult yet. Right. You know? Um, Don't tell your mother till afterwards. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, something uh, horizon-expanding mental head trip. Mm-hmm. Something like that. I would like for it to not be drug-induced before he's 18, just because his little brain is still you, developing. I left a window on purpose. No. <laughs> I'm just throwing it out there. Um, okay. Um, what do you think your best parenting qualities would be? My best parenting quality? Well, I keep a level head. That's true. I keep an even keel. So I'm not going to rush to conclusions. I'm not going to rush to judgment. Um, I'm likely not going to be a yeller. Um, so I think that I'll be able to 
relate and empathize. I mean, I don't know what his personality is going to be like, but I feel like I'm very good at reading people in situations. So bottom line, I'll be a good improviser. Mm-hmm. I'll know when to play good cop, when to play bad cop, and when to say nothing at all. Mm-hmm. Cool. I like that. What do you think? What about you? Mm, I don't have as even of a temperament as you do so I don't think that that's going to be my winning quality but I spend my days with kids every day so I can see myself throughout different situations and I know what I can improve in and what I can't when Mm -hmm. it comes to like my reactions to things um so that's not it (laughs) um however I think that my best quality will be um, a solid ass education maybe for him you know like I think I know you know brain development well enough or child development well enough to be able to know what's developmentally appropriate how to push him a little bit further to keep him thinking a little bit more um, approaching concepts in in different ways and that sounds so academic um, but I think it's something that not every child is going to get in their family. So I think that that's a cool thing that I can bring to the table, aside from, of course, unconditional love and and things like that. And also, you know, structure and routine is very important for a developing child. Mm -hmm. And I'm very go-with-the-flow, you know, controlled chaos type of mentality, and that's not probably not very helpful for a young developing child. So I know that you're going to be you're going to be able to tighten the reins and and get um, bring order to his life yeah. and to his development, I which hope is I'm important. Not, I hope I'm not the bad guy when I try it, you know. No, no, no. I don't, I don't mean in a disciplinarian way. No, I, mean I know, in but a, just like in a schedule of a day. Type schedule of, of a day, um, planning far in advance, like this is what you're going to do these months of the year, this is what you're going to learn this year of your life. This is what is going to happen during the summertime, etc. That's that's what I mean. Yeah. You know. Yeah. So. I got you. That's about it for me. Good job, Stevens. Back at you, Stevens. I love you. Give me a kiss. I love you, too. Love you, too, Button. Give me a kiss. I love you, too, Button. Oh wow, hour 45. I don't think he knows when I'm talking to him.